Hey guys, welcome back to FTR. My name is Ever Kalamako, and as always, I am excited to be here. I hope you're excited. I hope you're ready. I hope you're hungry. I hope you're ready to be challenged for this. Stay tuned. Did you not know that those who run a race run to win a prize? Those who run practice self-control in all things. So therefore, run in such a way that you may win. Run in such a way that you will not be disqualified at the appearing of the Lord. For it is not those who start the race that win, but those who finish the race. Finish the race, that is right. It's not he who starts, but he who finishes. And that's what our heart, our mind, our soul desire is to be able to finish the race in victory. Praise the Lord. And so, again, I hope that you are here and you're ready and excited and hungry and even ready to be challenged. This message, um, it's a really challenging one. And I'm excited to be sharing it because it really does help open eyes and hope open minds and really begin to think about what our lives are while we're here on this earth. What are we doing? What are we living for? Why are we here? And this message was recorded under the TLR tent meeting um, that happened in Florida. And, uh, and really, I just ran across it on YouTube, and I was even stirred when I heard it. And so I just figured, why not rip it, take the audio, and really put it here so that others may be blessed and, and challenged with it and, and really search their hearts and, and ask themselves, what am I living for? Am I living for now or am I living for then? And so open your hearts and your mind that you may receive and begin to question whatever it looks like in your life. And, and yeah, without taking too much time, uh, welcome. If this is your first time here, um, I just want to invite you to listen to previous episodes. We've been working on a foundational series here in our, our uh, home group. And so just go back and listen to those. We're on um, foundation number uh, three, lesson number three, if you will. Um, and they've been really good. I've heard a lot of testimonies. A lot of powerful things have happened because of a simple foundational class so, yeah, go back and listen to it. There's also a testimony about Jeremy Powell, and, and just go and, and see how you can be blessed. So right now, I just want to get right into this message. It's about an hour long, and uh, before I do, I want to pray that the Lord, I said, Father, I pray that you uh, have your way with this, this word and this message, God, and that the minds of those who listen and the hearts to, of those who listen, God, may be open to receive what it is you're saying through these words as we go through your scriptures, as we go through your principles and, and the things that you're asking of us. So I pray, Lord, that the, this message impact the lives of many in Jesus' name. All right, guys, so be blessed. Uh, Jeremy says some words after this uh, that's been recorded live, so I will not be saying anything. Um, but just be blessed by this episode. Be blessed by this message. And as always, you can leave a message. You can leave a comment on whatever platform you're on, let's just be mindful that we're not here to argue or anything like that, but to edify and to build one another up. So God bless you guys. 
Glad you could join. Enjoy this. Be blessed. Talk to you soon. Jesus. Jesus, the victory belongs to you. We worship you. Where you're standing, I want everyone to raise both your hands. If you want better reception, you got to raise the antennas. The higher it is, the more you can get there. Just keep it up. The longer that Moses kept his hands up, they won the battle. There is a king who is alive. He's alive. I want to see all five fingers. Here we go. And so what I want to do, everyone with one voice, three times, let's shout Jesus is king. On three. One, two, three. have seen, what we have heard, what we have held, that is what we want to proclaim to you tonight. And many of you guys can say the same. You've been out. You've laid hands. You've seen miracles. You can have a seat. You've seen miracles. You've seen these things happen. And if you've seen these things happen, you have seen 
you have heard the praise that people say, whoa, this is real. This is real. And John says in his book, he says, this is what we want to proclaim to you so that you also will have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. But more than all that, he says, walk in the light as he is in the light. And if you walk in the light as he is in the light, truly we have fellowship with one another. Those are the words that we must live by. So as I say some short, a short message here, I want you guys to just inspect your life, inspect your heart, and ask yourself these questions. Am I living in the light? Am I walking in the light? Because if not, we have some changes to do in our life, do we not? That is the only way that we can please the Father. Because if you're not walking in the light, you're walking in. And God does not have any fellowship with. And what is darkness? It is the life in sin. It's the life in sin. And the biggest thing that I see today is many believers have proclaimed with their mouth that they love Jesus and that they follow Jesus, yet you ask him, ask them, are you still sinning? Of course. Everybody sins. There's a difference between, well, sometimes I stumble, and of course I sin. There's a difference between that. The problem is that we've taken what is true and we've made it diluted. We've watered it down. And so when I say this is real, this is real. What is real? It's all real. From, from the creation being real, because I can see it, to the fall of man and the sinful nature of man. That's real. That is super real. To the promise of the coming Messiah. That's real. From the flood and the washing away of sin on the earth, that's real. To the acknowledgement of we're still sinful, which is why we have the law to show us the reflection of who God is, that's real. To the manifestation of the image of God who is Christ Jesus on earth, that was real. To Jesus walking on earth and showing us the life that we can live, that's real. To the crucifixion of Jesus giving himself up and shedding his blood, and hanging on the cross naked for us, that's real. And when they took him down and buried him, that was real. And on the third day, when death thought he, he had it, when death said, we have taken the one, the Holy One, he is ours. And the reason there's death for humanity is because of sin. Otherwise, we don't die. You die because you sin. For the payment of sin is death. So when Jesus died, death was excited. But if Jesus had no sin, he shouldn't have had any death. 
but he died. So when death came and inspected this body of Jesus Christ to swallow him up and to keep him in the grave, they realized something. Death realized something about Jesus. I said, wait a second. There's something wrong here. Something has disrupted the gears of hell and death. They couldn't, death could not find any transgression and sin in Jesus. And said, this person should not have died, but he did. So what did death do? Death could not hold him. The grave could not hold Jesus. And the grave had to let him go. And on the third day, when Jesus, the body, woke up in his glorified state, that was real. And all authority, listen here, all authority, death, hell, and everything else was given to Jesus, the man, the person of Jesus Christ. And he sits on the right hand of power. That is real. That is real, and that's what we should be proclaiming. Now that he's there, I'll tell you what else is real. The recognition and realizing that we're sinful, that's real. And turning away from sin and dying to the world, that's real. Getting baptized in literal physical water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that is real and it will never change. It won't change no matter how many theologians try to disrupt that and change it and, and they don't like it. It's cool. It's fine. But that's real. The gift of the Holy Spirit and the promise and the seal, that's real. That won't change. And the resurrection of the dead, the last day, after everything is over, when the promise has come and the day of the Lord has arrived, all the saints who lived righteously will rise as Christ rose. That is also real. So when we say this is real, when you see this right here, this is real, it, it comes with that whole package. It's all real. Just remember that. So if you haven't got your shirt, your hat, go pick it up. <laughs> okay. So it's time to take out your Jolly Rancher Lollipop out of your mouth. Your Jolly, your, your Jolly Rancher Lollipop gospel. Pick it up. It's time to pick up your sagging pants and put that gospel, the belt of truth on. Put your gospel shoes and start running with Christ. So I want to ask a question. What are you living for? What are you living for? What are you living for in this time that is short? The time is short. 
Time is short, and we're seeing the fulfillment of many end-time things are coming to pass. Slowly but surely, and time will end. That is also real. Time will end. As we know it, it will cease to exist. You know, even, even there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a song, there's a saying that even the preaching of the gospel will soon be over. The preaching of the gospel will soon be over all over the world. You guys heard that song? It goes, the preaching of the gospel will soon be over. It's like an upbeat song. Soon be over. It's like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's like, I was always confused. It's an upbeat song saying, this, the, the, you know, the preaching of the gospel will be over. Depends who's listening to it. You know? For those that are living the gospel and, and, and living this life in Christ, what does that mean to us? It means that if, when it's over, that means that Christ has come. That means that the king has come for his people. That means we're in glory with him. And that's a good thing. Hey, praise God. But for those who have not received the gospel, it's not a good thing. And so we know that this time is short. So ask yourself, what are you living for today? What is your purpose? What is your goal? What are your ambitions for this life? What are your ambitions for this life? When Jesus came to this earth, he came preaching that there was an inheritance waiting for us, that there is something in the future for us. He preached that. He preached it many, many, many times. In many verses you read in the scripture, he talks about the inheritance. The inheritance. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And that was, a, that was part of the gospel. Our inheritance. The gospel isn't simply that Jesus died for sins, rose again, and that you can be saved. It's not just that, because, okay, if I can be saved, and that's all that I, that's all that I'm that in the forefront of my mind, and I want to be saved, my sins are forgiven, praise God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, I accept that. I go through the process of, 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 even if it's genuine salvation, but if you come out in that freedom of sin, what are you now living for? Even us who are born again, what are we living for now? What, what are we living? I'm speaking more to believers than unbelievers. I'm speaking more to believers. When it comes to the four soils, you see that in the four soils, the third soil was producing fruit. The third soil was producing fruit where the word of God had come in and it began to blossom and produce genuine fruit. Then what happened? The cares of this world, the deception of riches and money came and choked it up. This is a born-again believer producing fruit for the kingdom got deceived because of cares of this world. Something happened that they lost sight of the inheritance. They lost sight of what he has in store for us. So Jesus made it clear. Search your heart, guys. Jesus made it clear. Do not store treasures on earth. doesn't matter what it is. That was a blanket statement. Do not store treasures on earth where rust, moths, 
will come and destroy it. Because you'll lose it. If you put so much effort of your, of your life, your time, your strength into the things of this world to build something for yourself, not, it doesn't matter what it is. You will lose it. It will be destroyed. It will burn to the ground. It will turn to ashes. It will rust. It will get moldy and stinky. It doesn't matter how much you take care of your house. It will not last. And if you notice, you're always upkeeping it every weekend. That means that something's going on to it. And you will get tired of doing that. And the moment you let your house go, it begins to rot. Everything will rot. Even the shirt that I'm wearing, this hat that I'm wearing, it's time for new when it stinks, it smells, has sweat all over. It's like nothing lasts forever. But something does last forever, and it's the eternal reward, the eternal kingdom that Jesus promised us, that Jesus said if you would just seek that kingdom first, all the little things you have need of will be provided And even if it doesn't look like the way the rest of the world looks like, even if it looks low class, even if it looks lower, whatever it is, it's okay. Though he blesses us with great things, yes, but he says even if it doesn't, don't complain. It's not about that. Your reward is the inheritance, the inheritance, the future. Our brother Seth was saying here that's super important. We cannot take anything with us when we die. Nothing except for people. Except for people. When you get before the judge and you stand before him, he's going to weigh out the righteous deeds of the saints. Not how many houses you bought, how many companies you started. How many pairs of shoes are in your closet? He's going to look at how many people were touched by the gospel of your preaching. And he's going to look at that, and at that moment, you're going to say, man, why didn't I just do more? Why didn't I speak when you told me to speak to that person? Why didn't I just pray for the person that needed my help, and you told me to go up to them and just give them a word of encouragement? Why, when I was home cooking, you said, call so-and-so because they need you right now. Didn't I call this person? You're gonna be, everything's going to come back and say, I should have done this, should have done that. There's that person and this person and that person. You're not for one second going to think, I should have put investment in that house across the corner. Not once are you going to think about the materialistic things of this world. I should have hired that one guy. He would have made me more money. What? What are you living for? What are you living for? I'm going to read in Luke chapter 14. Starting with verse 16. Listen here. This is the words of Jesus. But he said to him, a man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. 
Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to the slave, go out once to the streets in the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled and the blind and the, and the lame. Why? Why? Why are they making excuses? If you read here, it says that a man was given a big dinner and he invited many. The invitation had already gone out. It was an invitation of preparation. I invite you to this dinner. Get ready. There is something that's going to happen in the future. I am inviting you now. Get ready to go. Get prepared for this big dinner that I'm going to do for you. Then when it was ready, he said, go get them because everything is prepared now. They began to make excuses. And it was all earthly things. I bought land. I brought property. I bought a new car. I got to go try it out. I bought some new tools. I want to go try them out. I can't come to your dinner. Oh, I'm married. I married a wife, and for that reason, I can't come. Can't you bring your wife with you? And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry. And if you put this into human terms, check this out. How many times have you sent out an invitation through Facebook Messenger, created a calendar invite? You invite some friends and they accept, come, 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 they're coming. At the last minute, hey, sorry, uh, can't come. This just came up. What begins to happen inside of you? Dude, I've been planning this for three weeks. And literally two hours before it's time to start, you called me and said you weren't going to be able to make it. It makes me upset when that happens to me. Why couldn't you tell me the moment you, you knew you weren't coming? But this is not just an ordinary person. This is, I have no words to even explain this to you guys. This is the creator of the universe who in his humility created a race that he chose to love and to have fellowship with. And he gave them a choice from the beginning and said, listen, I need you to want to love me, and I'm going to give you an option. Choose to love me or not. Why did he do this? Why did he let man choose to love him or not? Many people have said, if God knew that man was going to take up the tree of knowledge, good and evil, and, and kill him because they're sinful, why would he do such a thing? Why would he do such a thing? If I, if I take my wife and I bring her up here and, 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 I, and, I, and, I, and I do surgery on her, on her brain, 
our emotions, and I began to change wires here and there, you know, put a little wire nut, change this there, move that around, do this, and all of a sudden I have made her and programmed my wife to love me without her giving, giving her a choice, and she just says, I love you, 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 I love you. That's all she says. I said, okay, you love me. I love you. You know, I love you. You want to be with me? I love you. Okay, of course she does, because I made her to love me. I programmed her to love me. That's all she's going to do, you know? And every time I look at my wife and I want to have a real conversation and I want to get into her heart and we want to talk and stuff, and I love you. You're perfect. Everything is great. I'm happy with you. I'm like, come on, girl. Like, talk to me. I love you, you know? It's not, it's not the same because I look at her and say, of course she does because I made her to love me. But if I undo all that and gave her a choice and she sees all the different choices in this entire world, all the different options, and she chooses to love me, she says, I choose you. I love you. When I look at my wife and I know that she loves me because she chose to love me. And I know that when she says, I love you, it's a genuine love. And we can have a genuine relationship. That's what God wanted. It wasn't for his sake. It was for the sake of humanity so that they knew what they're choosing to do. Not, I was programmed to love him, and of course, God will love me. That's all I know. So they chose to take of the tree, lost fellowship. And instead of just taking them out, he, asked, he had mercy, took him out of the garden so that they wouldn't partake of the tree of life and live in this state forever. And then he made a plan and said, I will prepare something for you. Here's the invitation. Get ready. He sent his son to shed his blood, to give his body as a sacrifice, and he died this horrific death and paid a price that none of us could pay because he wanted us to be with him in this great banquet, this big dinner that he had prepared for you. So he made this invitation when his son came and said, come to me, for there is freedom in me. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me. Because I have a dinner that I want to have with you. And at the last minute, when it's time to come and be joined with him, we have these excuses. And the world has taken control of our emotions, our thoughts, our actions. Don't be deceived. Don't think just because you've prayed for one or two people that everything's cool now. Because the scripture says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. It's not he who started good and cool. I got my checklist in. I prayed for a couple of people. Saw some healings. I baptized a guy. Uh, somebody got filled with the Holy Spirit. I can relax. I'm born again. I'm living the life that everybody's talking about. I'm good to go. Let me go back to my old life. Let me open up that business that I closed down. Let me do, let me, whatever it is, guys, whatever it is. And then you just kick back because you've seen a couple of things. Those, that's the deception that they said, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these great things in your name? Depart from me. I never had that relationship, that fellowship that I wanted with you. And what did he say? He said, go into the roads, go into the highways, go into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring the poor, the crippled, 
the blind and the lame. Why? The poor, they don't have anything to make excuses with. They don't have any property to make excuses with. They're crippled. They're just there. They can't do anything. They don't have excuses. The blind, the blind can't see. I'm not going anywhere. I'm sitting right here. He's like, okay, if those who have what they need have chosen to worship those things, go to the people who can't make an excuse. They can't make an excuse. They have no excuses. Notice he didn't come back and say they made excuses. He said, what you said has been done. Yet there's still room, which means they came. And the master said, go out into the highways along the hedges, compel all of them to come in so that my house may be full. For I tell you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. Church, it's time to wake up and ask yourself, what are, what am I living for? What am I living for? This message has not changed. People think that this is a TLR thing. This is not a TLR thing. I've already been accused of, of, of living the way that I do because, because TLR told me to. People have already accused me of preaching the gospel that I preach because of TLR. I want everybody to understand watching in here, this isn't a TLR thing. I just have to say that it's not a TLR thing. I have been working with TLR for about going past the year now. I want you to notice I've been working with TLR, not for TLR. I've been working for the Lord, I'm working for his kingdom. I'm working with this ministry because there's fruit. It's a beautiful ministry that's producing fruit and true transformation and reformation in the hearts of many. In the hearts of many, many are being transformed and reformed back to the ways that the Lord had already originally set in place. The last reformation is a concept to bring people back to the ways that Christ has set before us. And I love it. When God called Abraham out of his city, it is said that Abraham lived in one of the finest houses of his time. And the Lord said, Abraham, I need you to leave. I need you to go. I need you to follow me to a place that I will show you. So Abraham got up and said, where are we going? I'll show you when we get there. It's somewhere out there that you've never seen, but you'll see it eventually. Just follow me. Okay, let's do this. It's the same position we're in. Jesus said, follow me to a place that you have not seen yet, but I will show you when you get there. For I have gone to prepare this place for you. I have gone to prepare this place for you. What I need you to do is get up and step out in faith and follow me until the end, no matter what your life looks like, no matter what the situation looks like. So Abraham got out of his comfort zone, out of the, the, the finest goods that he had, and stepped out in faith. And the scripture says that he lived in tents the rest of his life. It 
It says here in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. Come on. We have an inheritance as well, guys. What are you living for? Are you living for the now? Are you living for the world now? Do you want your inheritance now? You can have your inheritance now. But you lose out on the inheritance of God. The prodigal son had an inheritance. He said, Father, I want it now. Oh, you want your inheritance now? Okay. Be rich. Get all the goods of the world. Go indulge in the things of this world. Have all the pleasures that you want. Just do whatever you want. Whatever pleases you, do it now. Do it now. Life is short. Go out. Have fun. Whatever you want. Do it. That's what he told his son. Go. Just take it all. It's not what I want for you. And he took it. And he wasted his inheritance in the now. Let us not be caught in that position. For Jesus said to the rich, he said, Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who laugh, for you will not be comforted, or you will mourn. But blessed are those who mourn. You see that? Like, we're, we're, we're to live a life that we're, we're on our knees, like, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. And he says, okay, come, and I'll give you. But many times, and I say this by experience, many times we find ourselves in the pleasure of this world, and at, at some point, we, if, if you wake up, you realize, man, have I really needed God? I've been so wrapped up in my own ways in this world and all my pleasures, no matter what it looks like, and I, and I personally realize I have not even sought the Lord for anything. What was I living for? I was living for me. I was living for me. And it says here, it says, Abraham left when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive for inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith he lived as an alien in the land. In a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has a foundation, whose architect and builder is God, Jesus. Man, if we can see that, if we can see our inheritance is not of this world, this world is temporary. This world is temporary. It's not just about going out and evangelizing. It's also about you seeking the Lord. Lord, I want to get closer to you. I want to be able to keep the faith. I want to be able to run the race. I want to have endurance. Father, I want to get closer to you. I want to have this fellowship with you. You can be like Paul. At the end of the race, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. Now I'll go on to my inheritance. Now I'll go on to my inheritance.
Jesus is calling you up. He is calling you up. Brother Torben was talking yesterday about the seed. And I want you guys to, to see this picture. When we take those seeds and we're busy taking the seeds and putting them on the table and inspecting them and talking about the seeds and we know all about the seeds. Oh, yeah, look at this seed. We measure them, okay. Different names and we break it and dissect it. And we learn all about the seed. And we think because we know more about the seed and how it works, and you know, if you do this, the seed, this happens, and some people put it in a paper towel for a couple of days, and, and it helps the growth and, and all the other stuff, and it's a lot of research and investigation, and we learn all about the seeds. We have books about the seeds, we write books about the seeds, we talk about the seeds in five different languages, and it's like, okay, look. Now that we know so much about the seeds, let's go present our knowledge to the group. Hey guys, I'm gonna to talk to you about the seeds. And we present to you all the research we've done with graphs and, 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 and different slideshows all about the seed. And we all leave like, whoa, did you see that guy? He knows a lot about the seeds. He is very intelligent about the seeds. I have learned so much about the seed that I never knew before. I can't wait to go home and tell my family about the seeds. And we go home and we talk about the seeds. And I got to go download the PDF because I want to see those graphs that he had. And we learn about the seeds and we, we mimic the seeds and we copy the seeds. And it just becomes seed information. And what brother was saying yesterday is time to take that knowledge of how to apply the seed and actually go apply it. And so for us, we have the word of God planted in our hearts. And the reason that I love what we did today, that Jesus is king, Jesus is king, because that's the watering of that seed. That's the watering of that seed. Jesus, you're king. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I serve you. Jesus, you're, you're, you're the one that I want to please. And that watering of the seed activates something. It kind of, you forget everything that's behind you. You forget the world. You forget about it all. You don't care about nothing. And you just want to serve the king. So if I ask you, what are you living for today? The answer will determine who you say you are. The answer of what you're living for will be determined on who you say you are. For example, I'm going to get two volunteers, two guys. Let's get um, um, one more guy. Come on. Yeah. All right. I want you guys to realize something. This, come up here. This connection week is, is a week of activation. You guys just stand right there. I want you guys to see this illustration. Okay, I'm the king. You guys have chosen to follow me, okay? You choose to follow me because I'm the king. You trust my ways. You trust the path that I have set before, okay? So, so I'm the king. Do you trust me? You believe in me. You trust me and believe in me. You believe that I have the way and the truth, that I have the, the way of salvation, okay? All right, stand back right here. Stand back right here, bro, right there. Okay. So what's going to happen is I'm going to lead these two 
fine gentlemen who have chosen to follow me into the way of truth. Get this a little more. No? Okay. This is fine. This is the way of truth. We need to get through this gateway, okay? All right. So, what I have said is this to you, Mark. I'm your king. Now you follow me, okay? Forgot one element. Please put this on. So for Mark, I say, follow me. Whatever I do, you do. That's what following is. Following is simple. When I say follow, what do you do? You follow. So follow me. You stay here. Follow me. See how easy that is? When I stop, when I go, he goes. Wherever I go, he goes. That's following me. Thank you. Come here. You. Tell you the same thing because you, you, you chose, to, you chose to, to, to follow me. You said, you're my king. I believe in what you have, and I believe in, in you and, and all about you, and, and I want to follow you. So follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Yet he doesn't. And how many times have, has the Lord said, follow me. I want to show you a way. But we don't do what he says. We don't do what he says. And this king, this king, stay right there, please. This king. If you look at Luke chapter 14, listen to this king. It says, what king, when he has a set out to meet another king in battle, does not first sit down to consider whether he is strong enough with the 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against them with 20,000. A king has a mission. We're on a mission. The king has a mission to conquer the land that he bought. And he's out to get the enemy and to destroy his wicked ways. And he has all authority on earth. And he has a plan of salvation that can destroy darkness and wickedness. And he has chosen to work with us. The scripture says that we have become co-laborers with God. Okay? So when he called us out, he didn't just call you out for freedom of sin. He called you out to clean you up and then follow him. Because I need you. We're in a battle. I need you. We're in a battle. I've called you out. You've chosen to follow me. I clean you up. I've given you my spirit for activation and power and authority so that you can follow me and we can work together to conquer this land. Because I'm coming back, he says, with vengeance and fire in my eyes, and I will destroy all things and make it new. Before that, I'm making a call to the great dinner. I am making a call, and I need you to help. If you have chosen to follow Jesus you have made a decision, and you're enlisted into his army. That was the decision you made. It wasn't just a selfish decision to say, I don't want to go to hell, so I accept your salvation, but once I take it in, I'm not going to do anything you say. And you begin to live for your own pleasures. Instead, ask yourself, what am I really living for? And this king says, it says, what king when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough 
And this is obviously talking about the Lord. He's like, I want to know my people. I want to know that they're pure. Yesterday we had a great message that the Lord has spoken to us. And he said in the message, I wrote down some stuff. Listen to what it said. Time is short. Will you come out? I have, I have need that you get ready. Consecrate yourself to me. Follow me. Don't follow the world. You are to be a holy people unto me. I want to cleanse you and purify me, purify you for me. That was yesterday. That was spoken in front of all of us, if you remember. That is his call, that we purify ourselves, that we come to him to be used by him. So this brother right here represents 5,000 soldiers. This brother right here represents 5,000 soldiers. And he has all of his goods, all of his goods. And if I'm the king and I'm looking at the, the, the soldiers that I have, I'm not going to blindly go into battle against another king without first checking who I have. And if I see that this weight, this weight is going to bring you down. You're not going to last. You're not going to make it. You're going you're gonna to start off and then you're going to fall because of all the weight that you're carrying. This guy has dropped everything. He's dropped everything. All the weight has been gone so that he can be free to run as quick as he needs to. You're not. And so my call to you as a king is purify yourself, cleanse yourself, get yourself ready. We have a work to be done. What are you doing? Are you going to be enlisted into the army or are you going to be working for me worried about the stuff that you have with you? Are you in or are you out? You can't have both. That's the call. Are you in or you, you can't have both. If I bring you with me, you're going to fall and bring half of you with you. You, you're ready to go. But I need more of you. I need more of you that are ready, that have consecrated themselves, that have removed the baggage of the world off of them because you cannot serve both world and God. You can't do both. You're either going to be worshiping one at this moment and the, the, the other at this moment. Either you're, God, I love you, God, I love you, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes. Oh, what about this? I got to worry about all this. And, and so I've spent mo a lot of time on this stuff. And, oh, God, God, I love you, God. How about we just focus on God 100%? He says, don't worry about anything. If you, if you worry about the riches and I got to take care of this and take care of that, that this is all the effort and strength you're putting into this. And you put the things of God aside. The kingdom of God has been put aside. Oh, yeah, what about the kingdom of God? I want to do the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, you come here, work, 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 but I can't leave this alone. And so now you're double-minded. You want to focus on this stuff and, and, work, and focus on the kingdom of God, and you cannot do both. So Jesus said, what are you worried about? Why are you worried about your clothes and, and your food and what you're going to do? Seek the kingdom. All these things will be added to you. It's a simple message that we've complicated and we've made it like, I, don't, I just don't understand that. I don't know what that means. I don't understand what that means. It's simple. Quit worrying about the things of the world. Don't be deceived by the things of the world. And so the scripture says, lay aside, take it off. Lay aside the weight that so easily entangles us. And let's run the race set before us, just like Jesus. Because Jesus, 
with the joy set before him, he let everything go and he went towards the joy. And all of a sudden, as he was walking towards the joy, the cross appeared and he endured the cross, passed through the cross go, to get to the joy. Stay there, bro. Turn around. Now, it says, fix your eyes on him who has endured it all. And now he's now victorious. Keep your eyes on him and go. You too will encounter the cross as you walk. Take a step. And as you walk, you will encounter another cross. Go. With the inheritance of the joy, if you can endure to the end, the inheritance is waiting for you. This is the inheritance that he set before you. He who endures to the end shall be saved. And imagine Paul in his last moments, his last days when he's writing his last letter. He's thinking, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, through all the persecution and all the suffering. Lord, you helped me to be content when I was hungry. I was content when I was full. I was content when I was cold and shivering. I was content when I was clothed and warm. I was content during the sh sh uh, shipwreck. I was content, God, through the lashes. I was content through all the beatings and the stonings. I was content. And now I've made it to the end. I've fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I did not leave my faith go. The scripture says, thank you guys. Appreciate it. The scripture says, without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please God. There is absolutely no possibility whatsoever to, that we can do anything to please God without faith. Without faith, you cannot please God. The moment you have faith, you're pleasing the Lord because you're walking by faith. The moment you drop your faith, you're not pleasing God. And Paul says, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith to the end, even through all the things that the enemy brought against me. It made me stronger. It made me stronger. Endurance makes you stronger. When we were at the ark, brother Jeremy and I, we decided to start running. I'm not a runner. I need it, but I'm not. And we, we decided to get up at 6.30 in the morning, which is also unusual for us, to start running while it was dark. And at the Ark in North Carolina, we lived on the mountains. And the road that we took was some deep hills and some small hills and we went all the way around. There's this crazy long, big hill. It was the last hill before we got back to the Ark after doing our loop. And I remember the first time that we did it, what was it, 14 minutes? 14 minutes it took us to, to one mile to run a mile. 14 minutes, and we barely made it up that hill. I think we just landed on the floor. We are just laying there in the middle of the road trying to catch our breath. And it took us 10, 15 minutes to catch our breath. It's a long time. 15 minutes. <gasps> Bro, how you doing? Oh, man, I can't. I'm not doing this again. <gasps> It went down to 13, 12 minutes-ish. And we caught our breath after like seven minutes. 
said, what, what, what was the difference? We built stamina. We, we, built, we built endurance. And we built it quickly because we went through the lows and we went through the highs. We went through deeper lows and went to higher highs. And that hill going up helped with the endurance. And something that I noticed later, because we got better, I think we went up to like eight minutes and we caught our breath, we caught, we, we caught our breath like in two minutes. We got really good. But I realized one thing, that the little hills were actually helping us for that big hill at the end. But if we just ran flat, we don't really build endurance like we're supposed to. But those hills allowed us to build endurance for that great big hill. And I learned something. I said, whoa, it seems like we need persecution. It's like we need the hard times. We need the struggles. We need them. I know we don't like them, but we need them because it brings endurance. And it's almost the scriptures make it sound like we need to endure into the end. What it sounds like. Endure to the end. What is endurance? Endurance is the building up of stamina when you are going through troubles. There's no other way to build endurance without going through difficulties. That's how you build endurance. So if you, just, if you in your heart and your life said, okay, I know what I'm living for, and I've tried it ever. I tried it, but it's too hard. It's not supposed to be like this. We're Christians. Everything's supposed to be peachy. It's supposed to be my best life now. I don't understand. So I gave up because I couldn't do it. Let me tell you, that's a good thing. It's a good thing that you're going through these things because it's building endurance. And you can be like Paul at the very end to say, I have fought the good fight and I've kept the faith. I've endured to the end. There's a reason why it's written that way. Because we're built. We're made to have the struggle in order so that we can build the endurance. So ask yourself, what are you living for even now? And that answer will be determined by who you say you are. Are you enlisted into the kingdom? Are you fully enlisted into the kingdom? If you said yes, then the answer is, I am living for the king. That should be your answer. I am living for the king and his kingdom. If your answer is, well, I'm an entrepreneur. If that's, who you're, if that's what your answer is, then guess what you're living for? Your business. If, if, if your answer is anything other than I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ and I follow the king and his commands, then you're not living for the king, and you will fail. You will fail because whatever you're living for will not last. It will fall. It will crumble. That's just the bottom line. This isn't a TLR message. This is a message straight from the Lord himself. I read it. It's in red. It's in... The author, Jesus. So I'm just preaching the word. And what I want today is for us just to inspect ourselves. And we came to this connection day to, to connect. We came to this connection week to, to say, okay, God, I want to work more in your kingdom. I want to hook up with my brothers and sisters. Um, I want to do this and that. But I feel like all this stuff is in my way. Okay. What are you, what are you really living for? And let's just let's pray. Let's just inspect our hearts a little bit and, and say, Holy Spirit, just inspect me, God. What am I really living for? 
Have you been speaking to me these past days and weeks? And I've just been blinded by the things in front of me, God, the things of this world, and I haven't really heard you. Bring that back up, Lord. Forgive me, God. Have grace. Bring it back up to my remembrance. What are the things that you have been speaking to me that I may say, okay, I see this is in my way. I see this is a weight in my life, and I need to let it go. Don't be the ones that he rejects and says, you will not taste of my dinner. You get bypassed. Don't be fooled by thinking because you have the invitation that you've been invited that you're good to go. I'm going to end with this. Be, be in prayer mode. Be in prayer mode. Be in prayer mode. But I'm going to end with this. That Jesus spoke of a wedding. That he invited many. When he came into the gathering, he inspected the crowd. And he saw somebody who was not dressed appropriately. He wasn't dressed appropriately. And he said, friend, how did you get in here? How did you get in here? The scripture said that he was speechless. He was speechless and he didn't know what to say. The scripture says that Jesus, that the king or, or the guy of the dinner, the guy of the dinner said, get him, bind him up. Can't use that. He hasn't counted the cost. Have you prepared yourself? Have you clothed yourself for the wedding banquet? Have you clothed yourself for the wedding banquet? Don't expect God to come in and, 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 and do it for you. This is something that we had to work towards. We have to work for this. The scripture says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. The bride has made herself ready. I've been asked to be married, and I love this man. I want to make myself ready for him. And he's calling us, cleanse yourself, prepare yourself, get yourself ready. I've given you what you need. I've given you all the tools. Get in my presence. Get in the Spirit. Lay aside every weight. Leave that behind. Endure. Don't worry who hates you. Don't worry who mocks you. Don't worry who persecutes you. Leave that aside. Focus on me. I've given you the tools. It says it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The fine linen isn't you saying a prayer. The fine linen that we should clothe ourselves isn't just me attending church every Sunday. But it's the righteous acts of the saints. Your righteous acts. Your righteous works. And when they see you clothed, when the king sees you clothed, well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom of God, your inheritance.
You have inherited this. You have humbled yourself and kept yourself pure. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come tonight. Search the hearts. May faith increase. Speak to us, God. Speak to us. Bring back to our remembrance, Lord, the things that you have been speaking to us. Give us, Lord, another opportunity, God, to know what those things are. We lay them aside, Lord. We, we love you. We worship you. We thank you, God, for, for your grace and your mercy. We don't want to take that for granted, Lord, but we want to praise you in the Lord and just thank you for this. And speak to us tonight. Remember what I said at the beginning, that the, the nature of man, the sinful nature of man is real. But the washing away of our sins is also real. Through a repented heart, through the act of obedience and water baptism by the authority and power of the name of Jesus Christ, to be buried with him, to rise anew, to receive his Holy Spirit, that you may walk this life until the end with power and authority. That is true. If there's anyone here tonight that says, you know what? I didn't even know that. I thought it was simply just recognizing that Jesus existed and he died for me. I thought that's all I needed to do. If you're here tonight and you, you want more, we're ready to pray with you. We're ready to speak to you. The day of salvation is today. Also, if there's anybody who needs prayer tonight, is anybody in need of prayer of healing in this place? Please come up, sir. Jesus, let me tell you one thing. When somebody gets healed in the name of Jesus Christ, it's because the kingdom of God has come to you. And when we go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, we don't go out with the words of wisdom of man and just talk, 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 but we come in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Because people say, whoa, what was that? That's the king I'm talking about. That's Jesus Christ. When demons are driven out, that is proof that the kingdom of God has come to you. Hey guys, this was a strong message tonight.
It cuts to the heart. The gospel cuts deep to the heart. What is God asking from you tonight? What is he asking you? Yes, he's asking you to repent and be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, yes. But many of you believers out there are, are, are examining your heart right now and you're realizing, whoa, God. God, you want, you want me to let this go or you want me to let that go. I would encourage you tonight is holding on to your sin is not answering the call more important than what than the price Jesus paid. Because what are we what are we actually trading our pleasure, our sin, our easy life? What are we trading it for? We're literally taking the glory and the price that Christ paid. We're taking the glory and the price that Christ paid and saying, "My life my pleasure, my easy life, what I want now, this thing I want to hold on to is more important than the price that you pay. Church, do you want to stand before God after he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness, blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, given you every single thing you need to fulfill the will of God for your life. Everything is locked up in the seed. Everything is locked up in the seed. Everything the seed needs is inside the seed to have a new body, to have a glorified body, to fulfill everything that God has required for you and me. Is holding on to that thing more important than the price that Christ paid? I would say no, it's not. A man said once that, that it's hard when God cuts something off. You feel the struggle, you feel it. But boy, it feels so much better when it's over. Let Christ come. Let Christ come and cut that thing off of you that has been won. We love you guys. We pray this encourages you. Answer the call. Let go of that thing that, you, that, that, that you've always held on to, that's always held you back. We love you. We encourage you. Come out. Be a part. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bye-bye. Many blessings.